From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you wherever you may be around the world. Pastor Mike Douglas here. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Great to have you with us. And uh, tonight actually is a very dangerous show because I'm going solo on the board. Our producer, director, and engineer, <laughs> Elaine Harlan, is uh, is ill tonight, unfortunately. We're keeping her in prayer, hoping that uh, she heals very quickly. And uh, so uh, the, the mad pastor is here uh, touching the dials, so you never know what's going on. We have uh, the pleasure tonight, and uh, we'll introduce you to him in just a couple of minutes, of uh, having the superintendent of the Stanislaus County Office of Education with us, Tom Shanyon, and uh, some wonderful things that have been going on uh, in past years with physical fitness, and now this year a major campaign in uh, choosing civility. We'll be talking about that, and it, it is absolutely a wonderful program, and uh, we're going to be talking to him about the details of that in a couple of minutes. So let's get right to it. Let's check in now with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. What Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with news about some more real-life Jesus freaks. In June, during an evening Christian prayer meeting in Nepal, a group of Maoist rebels enters a church. The pastor asks them to leave, even inviting them to return the next day. The rebels refuse, attacking the pastor and several church members with sticks and burning Bibles and hymnals. Adding to the anguish, the next day the local village imposes an exorbitant temple tax on church members, which jeopardizes their homes. Please pray for this small church in Nepal and for the hearts of Maoist rebels to be open to the gospel. For more from the Voice of the Martyrs, go online to persecution.net. Again, back with you here on Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. And by the way, a major thank you for those of us uh, who uh, were able to get together at the first annual Volunteers in Vogue ABC Fashion Show and Fundraiser this past Saturday at uh, the McHenry uh, Museum. And had no idea it had it downstairs. And uh, it was just a wonderful setting for a wonderful fundraiser. Had a great time and uh, Mr. Owl, our predecessor, was there. The inimitable Mr. Owl uh, was there. And, of course, one of the uh, great features uh, led off when uh, Robert Chin, Dr. Robert Chin, our chairman of the board, got up and said, You're in for a treat because one of our models tonight is wearing nothing but a bow tie. And you could feel a hush come over the room. And uh, it really was uh, quite, quite funny as uh, Dr. Chin uh, came out and mo modeling a beautiful sweater with his dog, Theo, in a bow tie. 
and it was uh, it was just uh, one of the highlights of the evening. Again, thank you for your support of our work at Advancing Vibrant Communities. That was a great time, and we uh, so much appreciate uh, your support of our uh, efforts throughout the year. Again, uh, we're connecting between 2,500 to 3,000 volunteers a year with opportunities to serve, and events like this help us keep that connection engine going. Let's check in now with our friend Brad Dacus from the Pacific Justice Institute. It's time for The Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. And now with a look at what's happening on the legal front, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. The saga of the youth pastor versus the shopping mall continues. You see, the pastor who was arrested for having a casual conversation about God in the Galleria Mall in Sacramento, California, brought a case against the mall. A state appellate court earlier this month ruled against the mall and for free speech and religious liberty. The mall did not give up, but rather asked the state Supreme Court to review the case. Well, the state high court has declined to take the case. We must hope and pray that the Supreme Court would decline to hear a case about arresting patrons for merely talking to each other. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. And again, friends, we uh, highly recommend your support of the Pacific Justice Institute. What they do, they do pro bono uh, volunteer attorneys up and down the state volunteering their time to uh, help with uh, major cases throughout the state. And our thanks to Brad Dacus and his crew for everything uh, that they do. Well, I uh, want to let you know we've got another event coming up Saturday, December 5th. And uh, it is, or Saturday, December 4th, rather, it is the uh, annual Christmas parade here in Modesto. And the Advancing Vibrant Communities Fire Engine will be out again. And uh, that has a soft spark, of, of course, in Mr. Al's heart here, as uh, he was uh, uh, the, the, the main person responsible for repainting that monster uh, many, many years ago and for maintaining it as well. So if you're out on the parade route, we'd invite you to wave and uh, join us there. Again, that's coming up on December 4th, Christmas Parade, and uh, watch for that ABC fire engine uh, coming down the pike. Well, again, uh, our pleasure tonight to have uh, Tom Chagnon. He is the superintendent for the Stanislaus County Office of Education and a uh, fun guy. I mean, Tom, I mentioned a couple of years ago, uh, we, we've done several events together. I, you know, I've either been praying at the beginning and you've been keynoting or, you know, we've been speaking or praying at some uh, point during the ceremonies and just uh, in, in enjoyed meeting you. And uh, But you have brought to Stanislaus County uh, something I think that is worthy for the world to hear about as our, uh, our signal goes uh, around the world tonight. But before we start talking about choose civility, I want to go back and, and just get a little information about you. You were drafted by the Houston Astros, what was it, 1972? Two, somewhere around there. I usually cough when I <laughs> say the exact uh, date on that because that does put a date to things. But, yes, I was very fortunate and blessed to have been drafted out of college to play professionally uh, with the Houston Astros. Well, now, if you were drafted in 1972, you had to be drafted out of elementary school, Tom. You well, can't, that, uh, can't be that Yes, old, a, a late bloomer a late from bloomer, elementary yeah. school. Yeah. No, exactly. you, were, you were playing, what, for Stanford? I, I was. I, I went from high school and uh, attended Stanford University. We had great teams there, and so when you're an individual and you play uh, with a great group of 
of people, uh, athletes. Uh, it makes you actually look uh, better than you are, and I think that was the case for me, and I was fortunate to be drafted and played a couple years in the Houston Astro chain and then uh, tore the tendons in the elbow. And when you're a fireballing left-hander, Ooh, yeah. then that pretty much uh, ends the career. But uh, fortunately, I did have an education to fall back on, and that led to other opportunities for me. You know, I, I'm thinking back. Uh, now, i got to say, now, now Tom is a dyed-in-the-wool San Francisco Giant fan. I mean, he bleeds the brown of, of the San Francisco Giants. And and uh, I, I don't say this often. You know, Mike Harden and I kind of keep quiet about this. I grew up in Pasadena, California, and, and of course, was, grew up with the Dodgers, uh, L.A. Dodgers. And wonderful rivalry throughout the years, you know, thinking back to those days of Johnny Roseboro and Wes Parker and, and Willie McCovey, Willie Mays. I mean, some of the Juan Marichal, you know, great, great pitcher, uh, some of those uh, great days. But I'm thinking back to 19... 19- uh, 72 uh, Astros. Uh, I mean, names cop. Uh, a couple of names pop up in my uh, mind. Um, uh, Jimmy Wynn. Jimmy Wynn, I think, was yes. playing for the Astros around the time, and and I think later played for the Dodgers, didn't he? Yeah. Well, he played uh, his career when I knew of him with uh, the Astros. They also had a great center fielder at the time. His name was Cesar Cedeno. Absolutely. Yeah, they had a yeah. gentleman that became a manager for a while. They called him the Red Rooster. He played third base. His name was Doug Rader. Yeah. Uh, they had yeah. a number of frontline pitchers. Uh, Wilson was one of them, and the most. Uh, personable player that had the big name was a, a right-hander by the name of J.R. Richards. Oh, yeah. And uh, J.R. unfortunately had some mishaps later in his life, but, boy, he was a gifted athlete uh, in his prime. Yeah, but you had a backup. <laughs> yes. Yeah, obviously. And uh, what what drew you to, to education? What, uh, what Actually, uh, Mike, what had happened is uh, when I had this injury, I went back to my parents' home in the Bay Area, and I was – Actually, just trying to figure out what my next move was, because when you work and focus and dedicate your life to attaining a goal, you're not really thinking of plan B at the time. And then suddenly when plan B hits you that quick, um, I was trying to assess and think what I wanted to do. And while I was home, uh, as as it would happen, a former principal of one of the, the local high schools where I attended heard I was in town and called and said one of his coaches had just been injured and he said uh, I need a coach would you be interested in coaching and I thought just for a brief period uh, until I got myself organized I'll do it why not and when I tell people the first day I took the field with these high school youngsters and I wasn't too much older than them at the time but it was just such a sense of this is where I want to be and at that point it was uh, education just became my passion at that mm. point well and uh, I think what we've uh We've heard many, many a time, or, or especially a lot of inner-city kids looking to sports uh, to be the, the ticket for them. And, of course, a lot of sites on the NBA and, and uh, the NFL, and, and, and only a select few uh, obviously make that. But sports and being fit, a major part of education, a major part of what keeps society healthy. And before we talk about choose uh, civility, let's talk about how Stanislaus County distinguished itself recently in keeping its youth fit. Talk to us a little bit about what happened with that. When I came into the position as the county superintendent of school, the county office launched a program called uh, Everyday Counts. It was geared towards schools, and the 
the premise was let's bring the awareness to light for parents especially and local businesses to help young people. If they see somebody walking on the streets, find out why they're not in school, and let's put the pressure on young people to be back in school. And the two years that we did this Everyday Counts program, it was a tremendous success. We could tell how much money was uh, generated into local revenues because their attendance rate increased from the prior years. And for Stanislaw County, it netted over $3 million that came into local school district revenues as a result of making a very concerted and open campaign to get students in school. And hopefully the students benefit because obviously the more time they're in class, the, the more they're going to learn. So it was a win-win. After two years of that, however, I received a study from Kaiser Permanente, and this study was showing uh, childhood diabetes, type 2 diabetes, and the outbreak of it in, of it in Stanislaus County. And I approached the 25 other county super or the superintendents in Stanislaus County, and I told them we needed to uh, address the idea of childhood obesity and, and being fit. And at the time, initially, they were a bit reluctant because they were, they were enjoying what they saw with this Everyday Counts program. But when I gave each one of them a printout showing in their lo local community the situation with childhood obesity, and, and they said, okay, we're in. And so for two years we did that, and once again, it was very successful. It aligned perfectly with uh, Governor Schwarzenegger's Governor's Fitness Challenge. So we had a ability to track student and family involvement through the internet, and as a result of that, um, it, we, Stanislaw County, two years in a row, were named by the governor himself as the number one county in the state of California for having the highest percentage of students involved in his uh, fitness challenge. So wow. it, was, it was great to have something positive that we can be recognized for in this county and that we can tell people that when people care, when people get involved, then great things can happen, and that, that did. You know, and that is so important, uh, Tom, because you, you hear a lot as you travel around the nation, and even as I've traveled outside the borders of the United States of America, you mention Modesto and Stanislaus County, and it's, oh, yeah, car thefts, or, oh, yeah, the, the Yosemite murders, or, oh, yeah, you know, and, the, and the Scott Peters. They bring all these negative things up. There is a lot of good stuff happening. Absolutely. In this county, isn't there? And Absolutely. And and I tell people that I've lived here for over 35 years. I'm proud to be f from Stanislaw County. And I am with everybody else, all the great people in this county that want to improve and change the image that, unfortunately, a lot of people outside of our county portray us. Well, and I think, too, there's some good spiritual stuff going on in this uh, town. I mean, I, I lived in Southern California for 33 years, was in Sacramento for another five or six. And, and I, didn't, I didn't, you know, 25 years ago, I didn't even know what a Modesto was, you know, mm -hmm. coming from Southern California. <laughs> but uh, there is some great things uh, going on here. And I think uh, something that, that we've noted many, many times, Tom, is there is an openness, a willingness with government, with school districts, to work hand-in-hand hand with the faith-based community. You know, we, we've heard so much about, you know, the, the problems, the separation of church and state, you know, the, the, the bickering and, and, and that sort of thing. What I've found is there's tremendous openness as long as we respect each other and we're all pulling in the same direction for the same thing. 
There's a great openness in this county for working together and partnering together to make things happen, don't you think? Absolutely. And you and I have attended a number of functions in this county where we have recognized and honored people that have given service to their communities in the form of their jobs with law enforcement or emergency people. And and I have heard you speak several times, and I, I can recall the first time I heard you speak and when they introduced you and you were representing a, a group that wanted to make our communities more vibrant. That word has been with me forever because when you just think of the word vibrant, that's what we would love Mm. to have our residents feel that they belong in neighborhoods and communities that are vibrant because vibrant and alive uh, go hand in hand. And we want people to be alive, to be full of the Lord and full of joy. Yeah, well, it's a, I think it's a great opportunity. You know, you can look on the, you can look at the glass half empty in today's budget woes, and I know, you know, you you deal with that every day. I'm sure it's heavy on you, but uh, on the other hand, it also gives us the opportunity to be innovative, uh, to partner together as as a community, and and to really make things happen. And so I, I see it as a great opportunity. One of those great opportunities that I got excited about when when you brought this up was this push. This emphasis on choose civility. And we were just talking about some experiences. And, and Tom, I'm, I'm thinking I've got the newspaper over here, and I quit reading the op-ed pages after a while because there was just venom, you know, dripping from so many of these articles in there and people just being nasty and uncivil and and, and uh, sarcastic. And I'm thinking, you know, can't, can't we have just a civil discourse you know, in, in the op-ed page, and, and, and you've mentioned many times just being out on the road driving your car, you've mm-hmm. seen uh, acts of incivility. So let's talk about the genesis of how this came to you, that, that we need to have a focus in our county involving uh, young children in the school district in choosing civility. Well, it, it, it really came together over a series of incidents that I was reflecting upon. I knew that we were having tremendous success with the Fit for the Future campaign, and the superintendents and others were encouraging us to go into a third year of that. But last year in the spring, as I would read about some of our local city council meetings, I attended some school board meetings, and at these meetings, and I understand that the emotions were were very high, uh, frustration levels and anxiety, but when I would see how people would carry on a very uncivil dialogue with one another, I thought, you know, our forefathers didn't have this in mind when they created this great country of ours, and we can do better. We, we have to do better because what was sad for me is in the audiences, uh, many times parents would have children with them, and this is the behavior that they're observing. Mm. It's bad enough that the national TV scene has so much negativity affiliated with uncivil behavior, um, programs that are under the guise of comedies, but really they're, they're very damaging to uh, people because of the way they criticize and tease and make fun of people that are less fortunate. So it was uh, the media, it was uh, me observing uh, board meetings and council meetings, and I came back to our communication staff and said, the time is now where we need to really address this issue because it just seemed that it is just um, it's just exploding to a point where uh, what is civil and normal anymore compared to what you and I knew when when we were children. 
And we were fortunate to come across this book by Dr. Forney that we're using and building our principles off of. And uh, once we shared that and went around, uh, then we came up with the idea that we could we could make this happen and uh, promote this choosing civility. Now, uh, Dr. Forney um, has has presented, I think, what twenty five, twenty four or twenty five yes. uh, principles. But uh, you went and surveyed uh, many. I don't know how many of us were there in the community that you surveyed on this. We identified thirty people from okay. our community who we felt were the leadership of Stanislaw County. Well, and and, and we look, we read the book. And I did read the book, by oh, the way. I just great. want to let you know. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I did do my homework assignment. Uh, read the book and, and read over those principles. And then we had the opportunity to vote for our top 12. And, and this, these are the principles that, that became the top 12 uh, that are launching this campaign. Listen. And as a longtime marriage pastor who's done a lot of counseling, Tom, I'm all, I love that being number one. As a culture, we don't listen well. We just don't. Uh, respect other people's time. You know, I grew up with, if you're not 10 minutes early, you're late. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, the thing, don't shift responsibility and blame. You know, in the police academy, we called that own your own stuff. Uh, accept and give praise. Wonderful management principle. Respect others' opinions. Acknowledge others. Speak kindly. Apologize sincerely, refrain from idle complaints, think the best, accept and give constructive criticism, and don't speak ill. Great principles. And now, how are we going to instill those into a culture, into a community, and, and into our children? We had, as you know, uh, Pastor, we had last week... Uh, we had the big launching of this initiative. And up until then, I had been going out and speaking to members of our community who later became our board of advisors. And in addition, our district superintendents were all on board. And we had more or less been dripping this concept out until last Tuesday when we had the launch. We were fortunate to have, as our keynote speaker that day, Michael Josephson, who is the uh, CEO and president of Character Counts International. Character Counts is a program for students in schools, and many of our schools in Stanislaw County, they use his program. And he tied his talk of character and civility together so that everybody understood that it's it all really blends uh, very well together. So he, he basically launched our program, met with educators in the morning, and he spoke to a number of business leaders uh, during the day at, at uh, lunchtime. And now from here, we asked people at those meetings to fill out a commitment card. And they had a choice of getting involved in committees to help us market this program, this initiative, uh, all the, or if they just wanted to check a box that said, I will model civility to the best of my abilities uh, with my family and with my workers, then that was fine too. We received, just from that one-day event, hundreds of these commitment cards mm. and almost 200 cards from individuals that said they want to serve on a committee. So that alone tells us that we have tremendous support from people in our communities that 
realize and recognize that we need to do something. And we need to make sure that the adults model civility so that this is what our young people can observe and know that what they see on television is not the real life or the way mm. it should be. I We are getting some great publicity in the local papers, not just uh, our local Modesto paper, but the outline areas. I've met with all the local newspapers and uh, talked to them and asked for their support because the media needs to be our friend. Oftentimes, we hear the news all the time. You know, it's the, the graphic things, the negativity that sell the papers. That's what people want to see and read. And I'm telling the media that we need to demonstrate and show positive stories, some feel-good stories that are happening in our communities that people can relate to and feel good about. So, so it is out there, and now what we're into the next phase is how are we going to market? We know that uh, ideas have been brought to us to make banners of each one of those 12 principles, and every month identify one of those, put banners up on street lights around uh, the county, put uh, marketed on the sides of buses, all of these things, put it at movie theaters, a little movie trailer at the beginning, a couple minutes, do a commercial like that, uh, radio, etc. So uh, we know that we're getting support from potential sponsors that want to come on board and help us with this initiative. And most importantly, we're getting the support of the people in this community mm. that really care and want to make a difference to improve not just the image of our community, but want this to be a place where our children want to raise their families and businesses want to come to this area because it is known as citizens treating each other with respect and kindness. Now, I imagine wherever you're located in the United States of America or around the world, this may be piquing your interest. Uh, let me give you a website that you can take a look at, maybe as you're listening to the broadcast here. It's www.stanco, and that's S-T-A-N-C-O-E. S-T-A-N as in Stanislaus, and then C-O-E as in the County Office of Education, stanco.org backslash civility. That's stanco, S-T-A-N-C-O-E, dot org backslash civility. And uh, some great uh, resources and, and links on there as, as well. I, uh, I, I think, Tom, all we have to do, and by, by the way, I, I so much appreciate when you're talking about m modeling you know, much more is caught than taught sometimes, you know, and, and you think of Jesus accosting the Pharisees and in Matthew and, and saying, look, you don't walk your talk. Mm -hmm. You know, you look nice and shiny on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. You're, you're, you're de decaying. And uh, we have to, as parents, as teachers, as civic leaders, we have to model this civility if it's going to have any credibility with, uh, with children. And I think, uh, uh, Tom, especially you sense this, being in, in, in education, younger generations coming up can sense hypocrisy. And they're all about authenticity and, and, and reality. So real important that we walk this out, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I was mentioning that today I spent a part of my day visiting a local high school. And I was talking to high school classes today about uh, civility. And uh, to my surprise, many of these youngsters, uh, uh, one raised their hand and said, you sound like my mother talking to me about being nice or... Uh, or being kind to other people. And I, I tell them when I finished with each of the classes that I spoke to, I said, you know, it's, it's no more than living the golden rule. You know, I'm not going to start bringing religion into this public high school, but I'm telling you right now, you would want to be treated 
the way you treat other people and vice versa. So if you think about the, the golden rule and respect, that's what we're asking with civility. And when I tell them, we had some statistics that I shared with them about America. If you, if you talk to people in America, they would agree with you that there is a coarsening of this country. And we are letting, we are gradually letting too many things go by and accept as the norm mm. or it's acceptable. And that's, we have to put an end to that. We know that most Americans feel that government and political leaders are uncivil, they're untrustworthy. We know that uh, in many instances, some of the, the radio talk shows that, that you see with some of these outlandish uh, hosts, they become very uncivil with each other on radio and TV. And uh, traffic on highways, um, the road rage that you hear about all the time, violence that results as, uh, as this road rage is just totally unacceptable. And when I talked to these high school students today, the one that I shared with them was the fact that a recent poll conducted by high school students and staff felt that over 60% of high schools in America, they were uncivil places to be. Mm. I said, this is where you spend the majority of your day, and it's in a place that is uncivil that 60% of your colleagues feel. And how does that what, – what can you do to change that? Because we have to change the culture. And we have to get young people understanding that this isn't acceptable, that watching Jerry Springer on television isn't the norm. We do not live in a Jerry Springer world in spite of what many people think. And, and that's what we're up against in this initiative on choosing civility is to combat and bring out a new culture where we can bring back wholesomeness and respect and courtesy, all of those things together. Well, we hope we have your interest, friends. We're going to be talking more with Tom Chagnon, uh, again, the superintendent for the Stanislaus County Office of Education. Right now, though, let's check in with this wonderful song. It's called Old Glory by one of our favorite artists, Phil Stacy. And we have Veterans Day coming up this week uh, on the 11th. And this is our salute to all those, including a couple in this room, who have served their country. We'll be back after this. In the midnight hour, I see her. Waving proudly through the night The stars and stripes she bears Are a glorious sight She represents all the heroes Who couldn't stand to see her fall They represent this great nation And remind us all there is still a land of freedom and a home for the brave. A nation under God where justice reigns. There's a country united, however different we may be. We can walk a little taller when we see. Oh, glory. There is strength within her colors and her courage all can see. That brings hope and peace to some and others to their knees. There is power in her presence and a calm within her way. And if you live 
That's Phil Stacy, Old Glory, and our salute. To those of you who are serving and have served in our armed forces, we salute you and thank you for the tremendous sacrifices that you've made for our country and uh, the sacrifices that your families have made as well. So that's our thank you to you. Again, our thank you to Phil Stacy, Old Glory. We're visiting tonight with Tom Chagnon. He is the superintendent of the Stanislaus County Office of Education and uh, has a wonderful initiative called Choose Civility and uh, talking about how that's going to be incorporated into our culture and and the need for it. Tom, we were just talking a a little bit during the break about how some of the TV shows of the past, you know, uh, even 25, 30 years ago, really planted the seeds of being uncivil. Of, of demeaning dads, you know, of, of demeaning children. And you mentioned before of 
demeaning people who quite aren't like us, you know, and, and it's, uh, it's, it's crept into the culture. And now, now we've got a, a tangled mess that somehow we, we want to unweave, but it, it can be done uh, bit by bit. And uh, this wonderful initiative that, that you have is, I think, going to go a long way towards that. We were talking a little bit uh, as well about Michael Josephson's uh, presentation and some astounding, I know we don't have the stats here at the moment, but he had some astounding statistics about how many high schoolers across this na- nation were cheating as a matter of course. It, I mean, it didn't see, I mean, a high percentage, I think it was over 50% or something, wasn't it, on, on one of those? And, and uh, I think one of the things that, that really astounded me as well, Tom, is there, there was one uh, statistic there that said that most of the high schoolers surveyed assumed that in order to be successful in life and to get ahead, you had to cheat. That just is discouraging to me. It is. It is very sad to think that sometimes young people, they they put this pressure on themselves because competition to get into today's major universities and colleges is, uh, mm. is, very, uh, is very strict. And so oftentimes uh, people, young people, feel like they have to do anything to get an edge. And in s- similar situations, when baseball just went through that steroid era, it was sad to think that ballplayers and athletes were cheating to gain an advantage instead of the natural elements and strength of the body they were enhancing to, uh, their abilities through these uh, drugs. Uh, sometimes, unfortunately, many of the students and when Dr. Josephson mentioned 43,000 students were surveyed. So this wasn't just a random sample of uh, one high school. 43,000 high school students across America, and more than half of them uh, said that uh, what was really depressing is that they had cheated uh, on tests and other assignments. So it's not just on uh, one test, but on other assignments. They had stolen from either a parent or from a friend, uh, which I, it just is mind-boggling how somebody could do something like that. And furthermore, in the same survey that they asked, um, they had lied. They had lied to a number of different people. And uh, the presenter made a joke about the fact that some of these statistics might be skewed, but uh, the fact that they are admitting to lying he said, makes the these numbers even maybe less or lower than what they actually are, which is even more depressing. Yeah, there, there, so, there was an interesting point in there, Tom, where he said that there was a question at, at the end, have you lied during this survey? And, and the answer overwhelmingly was, yeah. Yes. You know, and, and so it, it does indicate that the percentages we have, although astounding, are, are probably a little lower. Uh, I mean, the, the real percentages are much higher than than uh, than what was reported. So a daunting task. But you're you're a positive guy. You, oh, you you're, you're the kind of guy who sees the the glass half full and and sees the the possibilities. And uh, that that's what we need more of this time. Now you've got how many districts within the uh, Stanislaus County? There are 26, 26 districts, 26 school districts in Stanislaus County, and uh, we have we're the 14th largest county in the state of California with. Uh, slightly over 100,000 students that uh, attend our local schools. 
And so you have, uh, what, 25 other superintendents? That's correct. That, uh, that you need to influence and, yes. and, and bring along. And it didn't sound like it was a tremendously hard sell here. No. <laughs> and, you know, part of that came as a result of the tremendous relationships that we had built in our previous two campaigns, the Everyday Counts and the Fit for the Future. <clears throat> they saw results, and they saw that we were committed to that and that once we got everybody else on board, it was uh, it was something that they really bought into. So we were very pleased with the results of that, and that made it easy for them to say, well, if the county office is doing this, based on their past record, we're on board with it too. You know, I think uh, one, of, one of the challenges, of course, when embarking upon a, uh, uh, a new initiative is, uh, is, is marketing, and, and I just want to compliment you and your office. You, you do a wonderful job. Of marketing, I, I don't know exactly who your people are, but they, they are highly skilled and and do their job well, and obviously believe in in what they're doing. <clears throat> Thank you very much. In fact, tomorrow we have a board meeting, and we're recognizing our communication staff. They were just flown back east to receive a national award for marketing the Fit for the Future campaign. Mm. There were only six of these gold medals that were recognized and awarded throughout the nation, and we received one of those. And I might add, this is the second gold medal that we will have won because we received a similar award for the Everyday Counts. So when you have quality people that know their business of marketing, when we start civility and we really get promoting, I have no doubt that it will be on the front screen and on the radar of the citizens in Stanislaw County. And, and no easy task, because in our county, there are a plethora of cultures. Uh, we are truly a multicultural melting pot mm-hmm. uh, here, and I don't know how many different languages are. are so I know certain churches in town uh, have at least 40 different languages that are, that are being spoken within their sphere of influence. And so, you know, a lot of cultural challenges, a lot of language challenges, and, uh, and yet this is so important. I know that your people are up to that task and, and taking a good run at it. What, uh, what are some of the uh, principles that, that you really resonated with as you were researching this? You read Dr. Forney's book, and, and you've had some feedback from people. What, what are some of your favorite principles that, that you park on that, that really get you excited about this? The number one, those that you read earlier uh, were put in that order because they received the most votes from our board of advisors, and the number one on the list was listen. And I definitely feel that... In our society today, we don't listen to other people as as we should. And I often uh, tell people that listening isn't just a matter of, of going about your business and trying to pay attention to someone while you're multitasking. But listening is looking at someone eyeball to eyeball and listening to them without interrupting. And I really believe that young people, they see the media, they see uh, television programs, the movies, and uh, a lot of the talk radio, where the political talk radio hosts, where the bantering and the interrupting, people, they can't say two sentences without being interrupted. And so I really uh, am on board with uh, the listen, and then to go right along with that is to be kind. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean... Uh, the lack of respect that is demonstrated by especially young people that I see today to be kind to others is something that is really something I'm going to uh, to really push. Today, in fact, when I was at the high school, they originally they gave me an option. They said, we'll gather 
120 students and put them in the gymnasium, and you can talk to them while they're sitting in the bleachers. And I, I thought to myself, I wasn't a, a teacher that long ago to know that a stranger coming in, and unless you juggle, you know, fire or something, you, you're not going to entertain 120 students like that. Yeah. So I preferred to go into each classroom and speak directly to the classroom. And the reason, you can, you can talk about these principles with the students then, and then you can ask them questions. And it's interesting that, as you mentioned earlier, the different cultures, they have different beliefs with those principles. For example, um, you know, the Asian culture, they really uh, demand respect from their youth, and, and they are accorded that. Uh, so very seldom do you see a, a young Asian student that is uh, speaking ill of their parents or talking back to them, uh, that sometimes it, that, that happens um, uh, with other cultures, and I'm not saying that's not necessarily uh, an all-the-time all thing. But uh, we had great discussions today in the students when we just basically broke it down, and they took away the peer pressures that they're surrounded by, and they just got real. I said, just get real with yourself and answer to yourself these principles and comment on something that maybe you could improve upon. And it was interesting, the students that came forward and would say, well, I can be better at not speaking ill towards others because I get caught up sometimes in a group and we badmouth somebody else. And, and I think that's what you have to do. It takes time, but when young people can express themselves and recognize that their behaviors and their actions are hurting other people, mm -hmm. that that's not appropriate and that's not acceptable for our society. And how can we have friendly neighborhoods when people don't know others' names or can't say hi to a neighbor? I said, you know, it starts with you and your family and then your neighbors. And that's how you begin to build vibrant communities. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was thinking as, as, uh, as you were talking about the effect that this, uh, this has on children, what type of feedback are you getting from them? Uh, I mean, are, are light bulbs going on saying, wow, yeah, you know, this, we, we, we need to change that. What, what type of reaction are you getting from the, the children in the classroom? Well, when I've been, and now I've been talking about this since uh, late August. I've been on the, this little road show, and I try to invite myself to at least one or two schools a week to get out and just talk to a classroom. It doesn't have to be an assembly or anything, but just it's just the idea of making sure that the, the word gets out there. I always leave some of the bookmarks with me, et cetera. Um, and when I first started, the students, they were puzzled. The elementary students would be like, well, uh, I think I behave right. My parents tell me the do's and don'ts. So we can, we can win them. We can win them because many of them are, are being told by their parents what's acceptable. Where we really see it is in middle school where it begins to taper because that's when that sense of independence and mom and dad really don't think they know everything. And, and, I, I, and the students start to as, uh, associate more with their peers and they don't respect or believe everything their parents tell them. And so we see the problems uh, of incivility starting to occur in, in the middle grades. And uh, for example, when I was out at this high school today, we had a great discussion in one of the classes, but uh, at first they were saying like, well, you're too old, that was your generation. Because I have a DVD that I play, a little video that, that shows 
um, when I grew up and how people, uh, courtesy was a way of life. You always opened the door for a, a lady, whether you were married or not. And, and just let, um, and when you were walking down the sidewalk, the man always walked on the outside. And, the, and these young people looked and said, well, that's, they almost said that was like dumb. Or why would you do that? Because they have disconnected the whole concept of courtesy. And we have to link that back up to them, and we have to show them that, yeah, we're all for women's rights, et cetera, but courtesy and and doing what's right is more important. And that's where we just have to educate these people. And we know that oftentimes young people don't go home and have role models. Sadly, many of our youngsters go home to a single parent or parents that maybe engage in some shouting or discourse of their own, and that's what they see. And so we have to work on that, but we have to educate them that, you know, this great country of ours was formed where we should have civil conversations and um, listen to other people. So to answer your question in a long way about those principles, I mean, any one of those are really fine by me, but I, I like to listen, uh, respect other people, speak kindly, and don't speak ill. I mean, those are all things that will help all of us. Uh, be better people in general. You, you know what I, I think? I don't know if you planned it this way or not or whether it just timed out that way, but this initiative launched right as the election was closing. Oh. And uh, I don't know about you, but I got so weary of the television commercials where they're just – you know, raking each other over the coals, and I, I started muting it. I just couldn't stand to listen to it anymore. But, you know, I was thinking that this is going to have an effect not just in, in the, the personalities of, of communities and of families. This long-term can really affect the business community because I think we see today the disintegration of some of these principles in business, in retail. I mean, Customer service today is, by and large, a, a non-entity. Uh, you, you go. I was walked into a store the other day, and I wanted to buy something, and this young person never looked me in the eye and barely acknowledged that I was there, I grabbed my credit card, ran it, threw it back at me, and I almost took the credit card back, and I said, do you want this sale? <laughs> you know, can you look at me? Yes. Uh, so I think, you know, not only are, are we talking about the personal issues, the family dynamics and the dynamics of a community, we're also talking possibly about really renovating our business community, giving it a shot in the arm when at least there's civility within a transaction. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we, we know that uh, our business uh, leaders, our uh, employers, that are out there, um, they're yearning to find young people that have the so-called soft skills that will help their companies thrive in these difficult times and, and beyond. And, and right now, the young people of today that have these attitudes of, of uh, it's all about me, it's difficult if they don't understand civility and being able to carry on a a friendly conversation with people that brings business people that brings people back to that company and if if they just run things through without engaging then they're going to lose customers and and so we need to make sure that uh, young people are trained in uh, civil discourse so that it helps our local businesses as well so it's it's a, certainly a win-win all the way around and something that 
um, our businesses are really, that's one of the reasons why they're so supportive of this initiative as well, because they can see the, the, the benefits of this happening. Oh, yeah, I think there's going to be some long-term uh, ma- major benefits. And we want to thank you, by the way, on behalf of Advancing Vibrant Communities uh, here at Lighthouse Live for allowing us to participate in this, because it does fit hand in glove oh, with what we're all about. Absolutely. And we're just very privileged uh, privileged to be to be part of it. Tom, what are some of the general challenges that you're facing? We have uh, probably about seven to eight minutes left in the in the program. It tends to go by, you know, very wow. quickly when people are here that you enjoy, and and uh, we just get going. Um, what are some of the challenges that are being faced now in education? I mean, we, I mean, we know the the budgets and and all of that. You have to, you know, do more with less. I mean, that's that's a challenge that everybody's got to uh, take care of. But what are some of the major challenges that you're facing now that people can start? praying for, especially here in Stanislaus County? Well, we only have how much time? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I would say right now, given the circumstances that we're in, there are two uh, major issues that really uh, sad me. Number one is that we're living in an education world revolving around accountability. And I am the first to say that no one in education is shying away from being accountable and upholding certain standards. But the testing mechanism that we're using to assess schools and students is is really gone over the top. And uh, my wife was a school teacher for 37 years, and I could see the the pressure that's put upon her to have her students perform, they are losing the sense of building relationships Mm, with students mm. because they're preparing them for a test. This test, mind you, is three days in the course of a school year, and in those three days, that's the snapshot that the public gets of what kind of a school that you have. And we have, as you mentioned earlier in the program, we have just – unbelievable and amazing programs and students and staff in this county. And it seems that that doesn't get showcased enough because you hear the negative. You hear this school's in program improvement because a certain subgroup didn't meet their certain their criteria. And it just saddens me that we're all about test scores as opposed to let's build young people that have a desire to be lifelong learners. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, one of the things that really um, – concerns me the direction we're going in that area. And there are some schools out there that are challenging that premise and saying, you know what, Um, we care more about the whole child and developing the whole child. And if we don't perform well on tests, then, you know, we don't perform well. But we're going to promote and we're going to have students leave this school that are going to be fine, outstanding citizens. And I used to tell people in my campaign days, do we want a generation of test takers or do we want to bring in a generation of, of productive citizens mm-hmm. in our community? And that's, that's why I'm real concerned about that. And the second thing is the fact that I know many um, – uh, the, of the cuts have affected the classroom, and that is uh, had to deal with class size. And I know that, you know, we would love to be able to say that we have 20 to 25 students in the classroom, but many schools now – Uh, I was in a school the other day that had 44 students in a classroom. You really have a challenge as an educator trying to not only teach but just to manage 44 students in a classroom. When you get into high school age, those are larger students. These are adults. And to try to captivate Mm -hmm. and to 
inspire them to want to learn is a real challenge when sometimes students don't see the relevance of what it's doing for them. And because of that, I see a spinoff of teacher morale that is really causing, you hear the word burnout, but um, the other day I visited a school and I, my friend's a principal and I said, hey, great to be you know, back another year. And he said, look out the window, Tom. And a PE teacher a physical education teacher, had students that were out engaged in activities, said that teacher has 80 students in that class. He said, do you think he's happy to be back at school? Mm. He said, how much, I mean, you can only organize 80 students in a period for so long. And those are the challenges of teacher um, morale that I'm concerned with because we want our people to stay um, inspired and motivated themselves knowing that they got into this most noble of professions to educate young minds and shape young people to be informed citizens, and yet now their own selves are being challenged because how much more of this can I do right. and still maintain my own sense of uh, balance in my own life? You know, you, you brought up something I think that is a great point a minute or two ago, and that was relationships. And I'm thinking back to the high school teachers, the junior high teachers, elementary school teachers even, that I learned a lot from. And I don't know that I can recite the stuff out of the book that they taught me, but we had a relationship, and I learned life lessons. And I remember those teachers very well, and be, and I remember them because there was a relationship. They spent time with us. They asked about what was going on with us personally. They talked about life and you know, brought, obviously, the, the subject of the class into that. But it was that relationship building that was so powerful and really was – you know what what later provided those life uh, those life lessons and i i think you're right we're we're crowding that ability to have that time to build relationships out, out of the classroom yes we've reduced our school year mm-hmm. by up to 5 days and we're still asking for the same amount of standards and content to be instructed and so it just squeezes even more precious time that a teacher can develop a relationship with a child and get to know them. So those two areas, uh, if people uh, had uh, uh, some spare time in their prayer list, uh, I would certainly appreciate that. Absolutely. Uh, well, you know, God's time is eternal, but ours is not on this side of eternity, and we, we bump the clock. Once again, the website to go to to learn more about this is www.stanco, that's S-T-A-N, coe.org backslash civility stanco.org civility our guest tonight has been tom shanyon he is the superintendent for the stanislaus county office of education thank you so much for spending time with us i know your schedule is busy and we really appreciate that friends look forward to seeing you next week right here on lighthouse live good night and god bless you